Jesus welcomes the penitent sinner to come to him. For he has already gone to the cross. He's already paid for his people's sins. He's already crushed the serpent. He's already conquered death. He's already ascended and he already reigns over all. And he now exchanges filthy rags for righteous robes. We serve the God who took on flesh and suffered, bled, and died on our behalf and rose triumphantly on the third day so that each and every one of his children would be set free from bondage to Satan and sin and death. God desires gospel-centered laborers. Therefore, we should be devoted to embrace and endure as laborers throughout the entire course of our lives. To the degree that you will stand for Christ, be prepared. God's word is sure. Persecution is coming your way. The church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped because he determined to build it for his own glory, being himself its cornerstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the NBC After Hours podcast. <laughs> and today we've got another juicy episode for you <laughs> man it's hard it's hard to listen to you and watch you say that and not I just, just break out in laughter I just, just need to record my facial you, expressions your facial expressions you kind of look like a villain <laughs> you kind of look creepy but at the same time you look like a very excited child so yes. it's all those wrapped like into a devious, one a devious yeah excited yeah child. one beautiful bundle that is aj walls <laughs> yes Carry on. You were introducing things. Oh, yes. So, the man who was just speaking, as always, was Seth Lehman. I am AJ Walls. I should say Pastor Seth Lehman. <clears throat> and we have once again... Our distinguished guest. Yes, Dr. Andy Nicelli. Not Andrew. Dr. Andy Nicelli. Yes. Okay. As we learned last podcast. Okay. And today, we're going to be talking about one of the articles that Dr. Nicelli wrote. And... The topic is over abortion. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Dr. Nacelli, can you kind of orient us, kind of summarize this uh, article that you wrote to start? Sure. Some of my friends started a website recently called Christ Overall. Mm -hmm. uh, David Schrock, Trent Hunter are two of my buddies, and in a month episode or a month theme was on abortion. They asked me to contribute an article on rape. So the, it's a common objection to abortion is that women need access to abortion because of rape. Mm -hmm. So they asked me to address that issue. So the approach I took was just to give three arguments to consider. Uh, the first is that when someone appeals to rape, it's often a smokescreen to justify abortion on demand. And one way you can demonstrate that is if you, you know, said something like, hey, for the sake of argument, let's just say that abortion is legal in the case of rape. Would you support banning abortions that people choose for other reasons, mm -hmm. like socioeconomic reasons or whatever? And that often shows you, oh, actually, this is just a way to justify abortion, mm -hmm. but it's not the main reason for it. Yeah. And then the second, and this is, this is critical, is that what makes a human valuable is that God creates each human in his image. 
it's not that a person is wanted. That doesn't make you valuable. It's not that you're a certain size or age or have certain abilities or your daddy's the king of England or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's you're made in God's image. That makes you valuable. And then I go into what does that entail? And then the third argument is just the simple one that murdering an unborn baby is unjust. It's inherently unjust. You wouldn't think it's okay to murder a toddler, right? What's the difference? It's just another person at a different stage of development. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people say, well, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's unfair to the person who's been raped. Every time they see that baby and that grown person, they're going to have traumatic experiences. And I'd say, I get it. That is horrible. But that doesn't mean that we punish the baby by killing the baby. Punish mm-hmm. the rapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, justice, here's my back pocket definition of justice. Justice is getting what you deserve and giving others what they deserve. So it's real common for people to be social justice warriors today. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that the Christian social justice warriors often don't say a word about this. And justice for the unborn means giving them what they deserve. And that means not killing them. Mm. That's good stuff, brother. Um, One of the things that I wanted to ask you about with reference to this article, because I think that you're aware of it because you teach ethics. I think of people that are really into the pro-life or abolitionist movement are probably aware of it. But I still think it's a statistic that a lot of people are ignorant of. There's this common assumption because we hear so much this argument, you know, what about what about in the case of rape or incest? And just statistically, how frequent is it that abortions are occurring for rape or incest? And so I'll let you go ahead and answer it because you did the research and put it out in this particular article. But I think people often are... Uh, surprised when they hear the answer a parallel is when you ask someone you know how many people did how many black people did police shoot and kill last year and you know choice a 10 choice b 100 choice c a thousand choice d ten thousand if you ask that Mm -hmm. to random group of people they're going to go for the higher numbers and it's the lower number generally Mm -hmm. it's that kind of thing with this as well like how many people Um, what is the percentage of abortions that occur because of rape? And some studies estimate it's 0.06 of 1% of all abortions. Hmm. Not 1%, 0.06 of 1%. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's a staggeringly small number for it to be used as a primary argument to justify yeah. the practice. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's so... why there's this whole debate about incrementalists and abolitionists. And, um, I think we should abolish rape across the board, but if it moves the ball down the field, I'm happy to advocate legislation that says abortion is illegal with the exception of rape and incest. I'd like to get rid of that exception. Sure. But if that, if, if that, Legislation can pass when it wouldn't otherwise pass. I'm happy to put in that footnote because that's so few abortions compared to right. the others. Yeah. Yeah. The pushback might be how would we, how would we vet that? Right. So uh, being more of an abolitionist and having a lot of abolitionist friends 
you know, one of the biggest concerns here in Indiana as we worked through this issue with our politicians was um, what is going to be the mechanism of determining how, how do you prove mm-hmm. or not prove you were raped, mm-hmm. which, which is a concern, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the concern would be that the spirit of the age is so strong mm-hmm. to pursue abortion that there's not appropriate mechanisms in place to vet what is the scenario that has led you here for this abortion that it just becomes it becomes the back door that I grant everyone you, that's wa- a problem walks that's through. not a bulletproof way to yeah. go my point is just if it's no law versus some law against some abortions sure. i'm going to yeah. go with some laws yeah. yeah and i think your point is like let's just go with the statistics if there was a way that we could just operate off of these pure statistics right. who wouldn't hit the button Right. To eliminate ninety nine percent of abortions, and we would eliminate it, and we would openly admit we haven't done enough. Right, right. We haven't done enough until we've eradicated this immoral atrocity completely. That's right from our land. But uh, I, I'm not opposed to incremental progress. In theory, okay. So I thought that was interesting, and thank you for sharing that. Um, the other thing that I was curious about from this passage is when 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 you think about scripture okay where would you go scripturally like it's always good to have some proof texts some some quick reference places to go when we get in these type of conversations on the morality of abortion mm-hmm. proving from a biblical perspective that life within the womb is life mm-hmm. um what are some places that you might gravitate towards? Obviously, you start with don't murder fellow human beings. You're asking more, how do I demonstrate that an infant in the womb is a fellow human being? Mm-hmm. So there are uh, multiple passages in the Psalms and elsewhere that refer to right. infants in the womb as people, mm-hmm. as humans. Psalm 139 yeah. would be right. one you Psalm. Made me, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a person. Um, There's other... Uh, small passages in the gospel narratives, particularly from the nativity of Christ. Yeah. The late baby leaping in the womb, things like that. Correct. And if you think of Jesus warning false teachers about the severe penalties for misleading a child, I would use logic. So this would be an, an implication of that an inference. If that's the case for misleading a child, how much more is that the case for murdering an infant? in the womb millstone yeah. around the neck yeah it's a big big deal it's 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 worse than just murdering an oxygen breathing human like it's as 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 defenseless and innocent as it gets uh in humanity and i think that makes the sin even worse i i'm i'm really blessed by that because i don't know and it could be that i live under a rock but i don't know that i've heard that angle I just made it up. Actually, I was just thinking about it, so I think it's correct. I was yeah, just, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're you're kind of saying that we're arguing from um, the lesser to the greater, a lesser to the greater yeah. reality. Like, if if this is true, how much more for right. someone more vulnerable, right. someone more innocent, someone more right. defenseless? And we're just we're filled with euphemisms as we talk about this. Even this is the word abortion. It doesn't communicate uh, strong enough what we're talking about. My my daughter's in Lagos online classes right now, and they just, uh, the teacher had them watch in class and 
uh, a video, a simulated video, not even an actual video, a simulated video of how an abortion works. Yeah. I, I always show this to my students in the seminary classroom. My daughter is 14 when she watched it. She was in tears off and on for days. Yeah. Like we've talked about it. She knew about it. But to actually see that, to see the different ways uh, at different stages that you can you can kill a baby, uh, whether with poison or dismembering and crushing. Let's get rid of the euphemisms and call it what it is. Yeah. No, that's very, very true. Um, so I came across a passage. This wasn't really original to me. Uh, someone within the church asked me about it, and I want to bounce it off of you to see how legitimate you think this is. The person was bringing my attention to John chapter 16, verse 21, because it's, it's not uncommon for someone to say something like, you know, you pick whatever hot topic it is, and what they want to say is like, well, Jesus never talked about it. And, and the idea is that we're supposed to get in the Gospels some sort of exhaustive account of every thought uh, on every issue from Jesus. There's, there's unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. as to what should be recorded for us in the Gospels. But the question comes, like, did Jesus ever weigh in on this issue? And, you know, I thought about it, and uh, nothing clearly leapt to my mind. But this person said to me, what about John 16, 21? And I'm going to read it. And then, I mean, you tell me if you think it's a stretch. Here's what it says. I'm reading out of the ESV. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby. And so the person's first observation is that in the worldview of Jesus, um, a woman who is pregnant and with child is carrying a baby. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a baby. It doesn't become a baby upon, you know, mm-hmm. moving 18 inches from the womb mm-hmm. to outside the birth canal. Um, and then the last part of that verse, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. And so they're in one little passage one little comment of Jesus, he's, he's, I think, I think we could say this at minimum. You could at minimum say that in the worldviews of Jesus, he's operating in a worldview in which unborn children are perceived to be both babies and human beings. And they don't become that post-birth. They are that. But I wanted to ask you, I, I might be trying to squeeze too much juice out of that lemon. Well, I'm looking at the text in Greek, and the human being is the word anthropos, which can mean man in the sense of male, or just human being, generically a human. And this is saying that a human being has been born into the world. You could similarly say a human being in the womb died. So he, either way, he's saying this is a human being. That's the point. It's an anthropos before it comes out. It's an anthropos in the womb. It's an anthropos when it's born. So I think that is, you could make a legitimate inference yeah. the way you did. I think that is legitimate. When I heard that, it, 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 it gave me pause. And I thought to myself, um, if indeed, if indeed there is enough, you know, legitimate meat on that bone, to point to this 
right. as, as kind of an indirect way of Jesus speaking to this issue. Indirectly, he's, he's not specifically being asked a question right. on the uh, merits of mm-hmm. child sacrifice. or, or It's uh, legitimate. I think that's not a bad text. I think there are clearer ones, like in Luke 1, that the baby left in uh, Elizabeth's womb for joy. Yeah, a person does that thing for joy. That's what humans do. Yeah, or uh, in Psalm fifty-one, and sin did my mother conceive me? Me, I'm in the womb, and I'm me. Mm-hmm. It's a person. So, but what you said, I think, is legitimately inferential. Yeah. Okay. So to to, to turn turn directions just a little bit, we're staying on the topic of abortion. Um, as you are pastoring up at the North Church, how do we? How do we as Christians fight well in this battle to see uh, protections put in place for life within the womb? Um, so maybe maybe on a high level, I think everyone understands like, well, you know, to whatever degree you can make a difference when it comes to local politics, mm-hmm. make that difference. Let's, let's set the political mm-hmm. obvious answer aside besides voting for the right people that you might hope might overtune or rewrite laws what can christians do what have you seen positively done Mm -hmm. that has helped save children's lives obviously let's start with praying pray everyone can pray Uh, very practically help out with women's pregnancy centers there are many (laughs) of them run by christians we do this every year with our church around Christmas time when we give out baby bottles on the Christmas tree and people come and they take them and they fill them with money and bring them back. This year we had the baby bottle in our home and my kids who have almost no money, like one of them went and put in $50 and another one yeah. put in like 30. They have like no money. Yeah. They're putting in like half of their savings for their life. Yeah. Praise God. For the babies. Yeah. Um, so a church culture that values caring for the least of these in that way. That's, mm-hmm. I know technically the least of these in the, in the gospel passages talking about believers. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of just caring for people who are the most outcast in our society, the least protected. And if you can contribute to ministries that have ultrasounds and show mm-hmm. vulnerable women, this is what your baby yeah. looks like. We can help you keep this baby. We or we can help this baby find a home of parents who will take care of this baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kind of ministries are amazing. Yeah. So you can give to those with your time, with money, with prayers. It's a very practical way. Uh, you can counsel on sidewalks by Planned yeah. Parenthood type facilities and yeah. uh, appeal to the consciences of, mm-hmm. of women who are misled. Yeah. We've done that here. We have a ministry of going down to one of our local abortion mills monthly to try to do you know, sidewalk pleading Mm -hmm. and gospel ministry and uh while i've been down there we've not yet while i've been there uh see a mother turn away from an abortion but but others others have witnessed it so i'm still praying for the day when i get to see it myself but that's and you don't know the long-term fruit of that i mean it could be that you don't see them turn away at that moment but she remembers that for years and years and years. Yeah, hopefully. And the Holy Spirit uses that to convict her of sin and righteousness and judgment. And you never yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think about this? I heard, and I don't know who I heard. Um, 
I heard someone say one of the things that we as Christians can do is uh, have children and lots of them. And I think what they were speaking to is that we're living in kind of a culture of death, a culture in which children are not truly valued. They're, they're seen more as a commodity, um, something to complete life at a certain juncture. Or a burden. Or a burden, yeah. And so the the idea that one of the ways we fight against this is treasuring the children we have, enjoying them, investing in them, um, that the testimony of a fruitful Christian family by itself is a means of preaching to the world. Totally. Yeah. It's, and we should, as Christians should have this mindset to be fruitful. That's part of our calling, our basic calling as human beings is to be fruitful. And in our culture today, I have only four kids, not nine like you. And when we go out in public all together, heads turn. That's oh, yeah. just four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I could totally see it. I mean, I four is in our cultural moment. Yeah. Four's big. Yeah. Praise God for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I have heard some people say uh, in response, if, if you begin to make an argument for people at least to be open to the idea of being fruitful, you know, uh, entering into marriage and, and not being anti-child or not being like, I only want to have one no more. Like, like to encourage someone to entertain uh, letting God reign over their fruitfulness of a larger degree. I've heard some people say, well, the world's overpopulated. Or they'd say, be fruitful and multiply is Old Testament. And so then when they come to the New Testament, they're like, well, we, we can do something even better now. We can pursue spiritual children. So have you ever heard that? Yes. Have you heard things like that? I just heard three arguments from you. So first, the world's overpopulated. Answer, no, it's not even close to that. So scientifically, uh, that's bunk. Uh, the, the world has enormous resources. We could be much bigger. So uh, Wayne Grudem has a book on ethics. He has a whole section on this. Check that out. Uh, your, your second argument was that it's Old Testament. Well, that's way too broad brushing. What part of the Old Testament? Is it is it Mosaic law? If so, let's dig in and find out how that is fulfilled in Christ and if it still applies in the same way or a different way. But it's actually not Mosaic law. It's before the fall. That is mankind's marching orders until Jesus comes back. So that that's uh, that's irrelevant. The spiritual children thing, yeah, we're supposed to have spiritual children, but never is that to the exclusion of being fruitful physically as husband and wife. So if someone comes to me and asks me to, to marry them, and they say, oh, by the way, we plan not to have any physical children, I'm not going to marry them. That's part of God's design for marriage. That doesn't mean you're going to have children. Maybe for providential reasons, you're unable to. Mm -hmm. But if you intentionally cut it off, that's a purpose, a fundamental, essential purpose of marriage. And to deny it is to deny what God intended marriage for. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I heard someone the other day describe, they were, they were making the, the, the argument that within the family there is shadows of the Trinity. And so they were making a parallel between the father mirroring God the Father, the wife mirroring God the Son in the fact that uh, Jesus is the eternal begotten one who proceeds from the Father. And they're making some sort of parallel between um, Eve being made out of 
Adam's side, she proceeded out of the man, and then the eternal spiration of the spirit, the spirit proceeding both from father and mother, and they were making the argument that when a man and woman come together in marriage, uh, the fruit of the child. Have you ever heard that before? No, and I'm not going to use that one. <laughs> uh, so I just get so queasy when we use the Trinity to, to defend good things, and okay. the Bible doesn't use the Trinity that way. Uh, the Trinity is unique. Uh, I, I wouldn't do that. But I, I understand the sentiment. And You, yeah. you hear what they're scratching at, I, I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. So those that are listening, what I just gained from that is we're going to leave that on the pile of <laughs> good ideas not to, not to use again. Uh, anyhow. It was it was a blessing to me. Um, so as as we bring let's let's imagine that right now you pastorally were sitting in front of a young man or a young gal. They're, they're not even they haven't even met that person. So we're not talking about we're not even talking about premarriage counseling. You're like you're sitting down with my fourteen almost fifteen year old son, and you're trying to shape his heart to want good and right things. What would you want his future desire to be as it relates to marriage and family? It's pretty basic is you want to marry a godly girl, which means you want to be a godly man, be the type of man that the woman you'd want to marry would want to marry you. So focus mm-hmm. on that and be ready to know your wife and lead your wife and provide for your wife and protect your wife and the children. So be thinking, how can I do this? So that means become a man that means be godly that means be well educated means have a way to provide to make money uh, and be tough and tender hmm. so it just be like your daddy grow up yeah yeah as it relates to visions of fruitfulness mm-hmm. what would you try to sow into them have a bunch of kids Okay. I mean, the world would want to tell you, you know, be successful educationally, have a great job, make a lot of money, and maybe at some point have a kid or two mm-hmm. if, if it fits in your plans. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, you know what? It At the beginning, when you have hardly any money, you'll be tempted to just delay, delay, delay. You'll regret that later. Mm. Lord will provide what you need. Don't delay. God made made your bodies fruitful at a young age for reasons that become very evident in your forties and fifties. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Don't oh. put it off. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God for that. Well, brother Andy, I want to be respectful of your time. I thank you so much for taking some time to record a couple episodes with us. Uh, I want to say this just for the benefit of our listeners. Uh, you are a blessing brother. You have been a blessing to me in ways that I can't even fully express. So I'm thankful for you. And uh, praise God that he has raised up people that are gifted, people that have gone through the rigors of various means of preparation and, and now just want to bless the church. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so I'm, I'm thanking you, and yet I'm looking beyond you, mm-hmm. and I'm thanking God for the gift of grace mm-hmm. that, that you are, not just to the North Church, but to Noble Soul Baptist Church, and to so many others. And so, thank you, brother. In those moments, if you ever feel tired, or you ever feel like you wonder if you're making a difference. Remember Seth Lehman. No. (laughs) No, don't think of me. But 
there's a whole lot of people that I think I speak for to say, man, just keep going, brother. So with that in mind, that brings us to an end of this episode. God bless you all for listening. We'll catch you later.